Welcome to the Life Church Podcast. Our desire is to help people understand God's intention for their life. Today's sermon is entitled, Take the Limits Off. We hope wherever you're listening, you are blessed by this week's message. I kept hearing in my spirit for some time these words, take the limits off. Take the limits off. And um, as I began to think about what was God saying to me, because I think it was a word to me first, um, I began to examine my own life, how at times I've put limits on God. And putting limits on God is a very subtle thing. Sometimes you won't even realize that you're limiting what God wants to do in your life. And I went through a period of just inv- just taking inventory in my own life, my own soul, like what's happening? Wh- where am I limiting God? Where am I saying, uh, God, just don't worry about that. I don't, yeah. And the Lord began to show me there's so much more I want to do for you. So much more I want to do. But you must take the limits off. You must take the limits off. Now, I want you to think about what I'm saying here because there's some of you who think that God is um, in control of every single thing, right? And, and I, that to, to an extent, that is true, right? So when you think that God is in control of everything, you can't even fathom the idea of God being limited. Like, that doesn't even make sense to a lot of our thinking. How could God be limited when he has all power? But here's the wonderful thing about God, the amazing thing about God. As all-powerful, as omnipotent as he is, he puts himself, this is something hard to understand, but it's, it's theologically accurate. He puts himself under certain restraints. He puts himself sort of in a box to say, there's certain things I'm choosing not to do. I'm limiting myself by these parameters. And some of those parameters have to do with us. There's certain things that God needs us to do in order for him to do something. I think what it is, is God's desire to do life with us. God wants to do life with you. He doesn't want to do it all himself. And he doesn't want you to do it all yourself. He wants to come into your life. He wants to come into your situation. And he wants to participate with you. You understand what I mean? God wants to do life with you. And so, therefore, we have a part and he has a part. And he's saying to you today, take the limits off. Someone shout that loud. Take the limits off. I want you to really think about that. Take the limits off. Take the limits off. God wants to do more in your life. And I want to just share a few things about what that looks like. Numbers chapter 11, verse 23. And the Lord said to Moses, has the Lord's arm been shortened? Now you shall see whether what I say will happen to you or not. 
I like this. He says, has the Lord's arm been shortened? And why is he posing this question to Moses? Moses comes to, he comes to God. He's like, God, these people are complaining. You know, there's a big need. You know, what are you going to do? They're asking for food. They're asking for quail. They're asking for meat. They're complaining. They're upset with me. And God is like, has my arm been shortened? Which indicates my power hasn't decreased. What I did before, I can do again. How I've met the need before, I can meet the need again. My arm has not been shortened. My power has not been lessened. I can do it again. And I want to just encourage you today. Sometimes we come to a place where we easily forget what God has done in the past. And God is saying to you, has my arm been shortened? What I did before, I can, and I hit by the Spirit, I will do again. My arm has not been shortened. I want you to write this down if you can. Don't allow a present need to make you forget a past miracle. Don't allow a present need to make you forget a past miracle. If God did it before, he can do it again. And that was the problem with the children of Israel. Every time a need would come up, it did something to them. It made them forget. I don't know how, but this is what happened. It made them forget what God already did. You'll see in Scripture, if you really study the deliverance of, of uh, Israel out of Egypt, I want you to really pay attention to that story. We're coming on Easter soon, and you'll probably see the, mo the movie of Moses. It comes on every year, right? That's just a movie. There's a lot of fictitious things in there. But if you read the Bible and you read the story, you'll see that God comes to the people of God and he says to Moses, these people have complained against me 10 times. <laughs> it's amazing how God was taking a record. He says they're complaining and they brought up this complaint now 10 times. What's interesting is that how many plagues, how many miraculous wonders did God release on behalf of the children of Israel to Egypt? How many was that? Ten. There were ten plagues, ten things that miraculously happened, and yet the children of Israel still felt the need to complain. Let me tell you something right now. God can do something amazing for you today, and you can easily forget it about tomorrow because tomorrow comes as a present need, and you forget that God's power is still the same yesterday, today, and forever. His arm has not been shortened. And when you complain, when you come to a place of murmur, you limit what God can do in your life. So today, I just want to release this word over your life. You're going to take the limits off. You're not going to allow a present need to make you forget about a past miracle. Can anybody think about a miracle that God has done for you, a miracle of provision? God supernaturally stepped into your life. You knew this was God. This was God who did it and no one else but God. That's what you need to remember when a present need surfaces. Lord, if you did it before, you'll do it again. And I'm not going to get into a place of worry. I'm not going to get into a place of complaining. I'm going to stand on what you've done in the past. Can somebody say amen on that? Yeah. I want you to think about the virgin birth promise for a second. This is, 
Mary now. And it says, then Mary said to the angel, this is after the angel comes to Mary and says, you're going to bear a son. This is, she's a virgin. She's never been with a man. And she's perplexed by this. How could this possibly be? I've never been with someone. And he says, she says, how can this be since I do not know a man? And the angel answered and said to her, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the highest will overshadow you. Therefore, also, that holy one who was to be born will be called the Son of God. Now, indeed, Elizabeth, your relative, has also conceived a son in her old age. And this is now the sixth month for her who was called, who was called barren. For with God, nothing will be impossible. For with God, what? I want you to know that you are living now in the time of the impossibility. And I'm going to share this word as I'm sharing and next week because I want to just give you a preview of where we're going for the month of March. I'm going to be pushing you to do certain things that you've never done before. I'm going to be stretching you. The word of God is going to really challenge you. The word of God is going to really push you into deeper waters. Are you ready for that? All right. And what I hear in my spirit, the Lord really preparing me to share with you is I want my people to take the limits off so that when I start to push them and start pulling them into deeper waters, they don't freak out. You're going to go into deeper waters. You're going to do bigger things. You're going to believe God for more. You're going to see more. You're going to do more in ministry. Praise God. We're going to challenge you in the month of March to step into ministry in a deeper way. We're going we're gonna, to we're gonna model this for you. You'll see this. And I'm going to really challenge you to grow in specific ways. And I want you to know that you can and you will because you're going to take the limits off. How many want to be able to lay hands on sick people and see them well? You can do that. It's not just limited to the Bible. God wants to use you. He wants to use you. He wants you to speak a word that's supernaturally spoken, given to you by the Holy Spirit, and it changes lives. How many of you would like to prophesy to people by the Spirit, not by your soul, not by your mind, but by the Holy Spirit? How many would like that? You're going to take the limits off. God is going to push you in that arena. I'm excited. The month of March is going to be awesome. But I'm laying a, a groundwork right now because I want you to know that God is going to be pushing you into deeper waters because now is the time for you to grow. Now is the time for you to take that next step. I'm not talking about 2020 is going to be a year of this. I'm talking about now. Somebody shout now. now. Glory to God. Like I told you last month, don't just get into the hype of, oh, 2020 is my year, 2020. No, we're talking in the present. Because if you keep talking about 2020, 2020, 2020, guess what? It'll be November 2020. And you'll be like, oh, my God, 2021 is going to be off the hook. No, we're bringing it now. I want to see fruit now. I want to see increase now. Now, this month, next month, right now. Anybody with me on that? Amen. Now is the time for restoration. Now. I'm not pushing it down to fall. I'm not pushing it down to the wintertime. It is now in Jesus' name. This is where we are right now. And I want you to know that God is saying to you, take the limits off. Somebody say, take the limits off. So then Mary said, behold, the maidservant of the Lord, let it be. This, is, this should be our response. Let it be to me according to your word. 
and the angel departed from her. Now, this was something obviously mind-boggling. Mary heard something that God wanted to do, and this has never been done before. It's one thing if God is saying, I want to do something for you, and it's never been done for you. So it's still a daunting thing, like, wow, that's, I mean, I've heard about it for others, and I've seen other people receive, and I've, I've seen God do this, and wow, that's amazing. But, I, but I've never experienced that. But that's not what the angel is saying. The angel is saying this, I want to do something, God's going to do something in your life that has never been done in anyone's life. <laughs> Glory to God. I want to write this down. Don't limit God to things that has been done before. You can be the first. And you can be the only. I like that. Don't limit God to the things that have been done before. You can be the first. And you can be the only. You can be the first in your family to graduate college. You can be the first. You can be the first to start a business. You can be the first. You can be the first to grow spiritually, even in an environment that may seem toxic. You can be the first. You can be the only in your world because a lot of times people say, man, there's nobody around me that's doing this. There's nobody around me that I can look to. How many people have struggled? Let's be real. Honestly, you said to yourself, man, it's hard to believe in marriage because I don't have a good example of marriage in my family. I've heard that many times. I don't see any married people in my family. I don't see people happily married. I don't see people that's married not cheating. I don't see anybody who's married not beaten. I don't see anybody that's married that's doing it the way I want it to be. Have you ever felt that? Have you thought that? Well, you can be the first. Yeah. And it's very, very important that you come to that resolution that what I'm seeing and what I'm experiencing, what my perception is, has no bearing on what God can do for me. Amen. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. And here's the reality. Let me talk to you. Sometimes you think you're the only one and you're not. Sometimes you think there's nobody else and yet there's other people you just haven't yet encountered. You may think no one's, no one's having a great marriage. No, no one's living holy. No, no one's doing it right. No, no, no one's growing spiritually. No, no one's on fire for Jesus. No, no. And the reality is it might be no one in your environment, but that doesn't mean there's no one around. And I want you to know you have to come to the place where you say, even if there is no one around me, I can be the only one and I can be the first. And I believe if you have that attitude, if you have that resolve, God will connect you to other people. Here's the reason that we don't take the limits off. We are comforted by other people agreeing with us. We're comforted by other people going forward with us. We're comforted by other people saying, yeah, I'm with you on that. You got to get comfortable saying, even if I'm the only one, I'm taking the limits off. Come on, I'm preaching real good here. I want you to catch this. Don't rely on agreement of others. If you do, you'll be putting limits on God. Joshua and Caleb didn't make that mistake. They were outnumbered. 
Everyone was saying, nah, man, we can't go and go and take this land. We're like grasshoppers. These people are like giants. We can't go. And Joshua and Caleb both quieted the people and said, guys, are you kidding me? We can do this. They didn't just say, well, well wow, you know, it's just only two of us and there's a whole bunch of them. No, they said, we can do this. I want you to know that God wants you to be the first and he wants you to be the only. In certain cases, that might be the case. It's okay. God is going to do something amazing in your life if you have that posture. Let me move on. Ephesians chapter 3, 20 to 21. Now, to him who was able to do exceedingly abundantly. I love this. Somebody say above. Oh. Come on, think about that. He's, he's able to do exceedingly abundantly. I mean, that, I love the, the Bible because it, it paints a graphic picture. It's not saying that God can do a little bit more than what you, no, no. He can do exceedingly, abundantly, above all that we ask or think. Thank you, Jesus. According to the power that works in us. To him be glory in the church by Christ Jesus to all generations forever and ever. Amen. This is the kind of God you serve. The God who can do exceedingly. Someone say exceedingly. That means far beyond. Far beyond. Whatever limits you have put on him, God can go far beyond that. Far beyond that exceedingly, abundantly, above all. Now, just keep that scripture in mind. We're going to go to Mark 6. I want, to sh I, want you, I want you to see something. Mark 6, 1 to 6. Then he went out from there and came to his own country. This is Jesus. And his disciples followed him. And when the Sabbath had come, he began to teach in the synagogue. And many hearing him were astonished, saying, where did this man get these things? And what wisdom is this which is given to him, that such mighty works are performed by his hands? Is this not the carpenter, the son of Mary, the brother of James, Joseph, Judas, and Simon? And are not his sisters here with us? So they were offended at him. In other words, Jesus, who are you to be doing this? Who are you? We change your diapers. We know who you are. I know you since, I know I grew up with your dad. I grew up with your mom. Who are you? And they were offended. And I'm going to tell you something. Some people will be offended at you because they are very familiar with you. You cannot allow that to keep you in a box. Are you waiting for people to give you permission? Or are you waiting for God to say, go? And I believe that a lot of times people are waiting for people to agree, to like, to be on one accord. Your family members, people's opinions, they weigh too heavily on you. You've limited God by what other, expect, other people's expectations are of you. You got to let that go. Jesus had to fight that also. He had people in his own family that didn't believe him. People he grew up with that said, nah, bro, what you doing? Who are you? Who are you to be preaching to us? Who are you to be doing miracles? He's doing it, and they're like, who are you to do it? But Jesus said to them, a prophet is not without honor except in his own country, among his own relatives, and in his own house. Now, he could do no mighty work. He what? He could do no. That means they limited him. They could, he could not do 
It's amazing. People say, oh, God can do anything. No, God cannot do anything. There's certain things. That doesn't mean that his power is limited. It just means that his power can be limited as it relates to how it's ministered to you. He can in of himself, but you have to come to a place where you take the limits off of him. I wrote this and kind of stirred up a little bit of debate, but it's true. God is all-powerful, but he's not all-controlling. Are you hearing what I'm saying? He's not all-controlling. And I wrote that in the wake of the tragic death that we uh, knew about a couple of weeks ago with Kobe Bryant. And one of the things that saddens me, let me just... You know, if, if you've been to this church, you know exactly where I'm going with this. It saddens me when people see tragedy like this and they blame God. And they blame God one or two ways. And the, the first way is very subtle because you won't think they're blaming God. They'll say, oh, why did God have to take them so soon? It's always the good ones that God takes. In other words, I'm not complaining about God. I'm just like, oh, I'm so sad that God did this. And let me just be very clear with you. God did not do that. The reason why people have a hard time accepting that is because they grew up with the mindset that God is like some puppeteer pulling every string that everybody is doing and controlling every circumstance, every aspect of life. No, if God was doing that, he wouldn't give you commands. He gives you a command trusting that you will what? Obey. Does a puppeteer command or does he just make it happen? just pulls a string. He doesn't speak to the puppet and say, okay, I want you to move here. Now I want you to do this. Now I want you to jump. Now I want you to do this. No, what does he do? He just pulls the strings. God is not pulling strings. He's in relationship with people. He speaks to people. He trusts people to follow what he says. Now, this didn't happen. To be very clear, this didn't happen because I believe someone was in disobedience. That's not what I'm going, because that's the other side. People say, oh, that's the judgment of God. No, that's not what I'm saying either. That's not the judgment of God. Not, not as far as I know. I, don't, I have no reason to believe it is. Sometimes, and this is where, this is, this is the uncomfortable place for people. We have to understand we live in a fallen world that has human error, that has elements that sometimes causes us to fail at things. This is why we call out for grace. This is why we pray for traveling mercies. Why pray for traveling mercies if God is controlling everything? Well, God, you're controlling everything, so you know where I'm going to get there or not. I have no reason to pray. We pray because we understand we live in a world where there are some unknowns, and we need his grace. So God didn't do that. I want you to be very clear. God is not killing people, and then we're going to pray to the same God, oh, comfort their loved ones. That, that, that makes, that's, that's silly. And I want to be very clear about that because many times if you're, not, if you're not clear about your theology, when tragedy hits, we'll say these things that sound good, appeases the emotions for the moment, but do nothing for that seven-year-old girl who has to now live without her father thinking that daddy, daddy was taken by God. No, no, no. 
Sometimes in tragedy, the best thing to do is say nothing and just be present. You don't have to have an answer for everything. I don't know why this happened, but I love you and I'm here for you. I don't know how come this, this, this took place, but God loves you and this is a moment of mourning and grief and we're here for you. That's the right response. Not trying to come up with a reason. Oh, God did it. Oh, God did this. God did that. No. God is not killing people like that. When they came and the disciples were preaching and the people weren't listening, the sons of thunder said to Jesus, Jesus, do you want us to call fire from heaven and destroy the people? And Jesus said, yo, chill. You don't know what spirit you're of. I didn't come to kill. I came to give life. I came to give it more abundantly. I don't know how I got here, but this is, this is for something. You know why? I know how I got here. Because your theology will limit God. Yeah, the, what you believe about God will limit him. And will put him in a position, in a place where you say, God, you're doing this. You're the one who's controlling this. You're the one who's making this. No, God is all powerful, yes. But he's not all controlling. And that's the place of love. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. That was good. All right. Write this down. God's power in our life isn't limited to our ability to understand it, but it is limited by our willingness to receive it. Notice the scripture I read prior to this. was God is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we could ask or think, right? So God can go beyond our mind. He can go beyond our comprehension. He can go beyond our thoughts. But what we just read in Mark 6, because the people's attitudes weren't right, because their heart was hardened, because they dishonored Jesus and said, who is this Jesus doing all these things? What happened? Jesus couldn't do certain things. His power was there. He, he could have done something beyond their imagination in the sense of his ability, his power, but he was limited by their dishonor and their willingness to receive him. So I don't have to know, God, how you're going to do this. I don't have to, it doesn't have to make sense to me how this is going to work out. It doesn't have to make sense to me how you're going to actually bring this relationship back to the place where it needs to be. I don't have to comprehend it. I just have to be willing to receive your power in my life and not dismiss you as someone who is incapable of doing it. Lord, you can. Lord, you can. I open up my heart to receive. I'm not limiting you by my dishonor and my lack of belief and my cynicism. And today, you have a lot of cynical people today. They hear a good word. Yeah, okay. Heard that before. God nudges them with a the promise. Yeah, okay. When is that going to happen? God says, I want to do something in your heart. You, give, you get a dream. Yeah. I remember one time, this is when we were believing God for more children. And I came to a place where, and I, I think I said this before, I, I, said, I don't know if I said it to the Lord or I said it to myself, but I said, Lord, I don't want to hear any more prophecies about this. <laughs> Anybody heard that before? 
I don't want to hear, I don't want, don't prophesy about my husband, don't prophesy about my wife, don't prophesy about my kids. Don't, I just, just show it to me. Just do it. You ever get to that place where I don't want to hear God's gonna, God's gonna, Lord, just do it. And then I'll be like, wow, God did it. So I got to that place that, Lord, I don't want to hear anything. Just, I'll be honest, sometimes you can get to that place where you are hardened about, that's why the Bible says, do not despise prophecy. Why does it say do not despise prophecy? Because it's easy to despise it. The Lord began to show me, no, every time you hear a word, I want you to rejoice at it. Train yourself. I rejoice. Yes, Lord. Why? You're training yourself not to fall into cynic cynicism. When you become cynical in your heart, dismissive of God's plan, dismissive of what he said, dismissive of everything that he wants to do, every time you hear a word, I want your word to be like Mary. Let it be to me according to your word. Let it be to me according to your word. Oh, faith. Lord, every time you, you, you give me a prophecy, you're just telling me you're still thinking about me. You're, you're, you're telling me you haven't forgotten about me. Oh, thank God. Thank you, Lord, that I'm still on your mind. Thank you that this person, this person, they don't even know each other. This circumstance, this person. Lord, you are really letting me know that I'm on your mind. Thank you. That's the right attitude to have. When you have that kind of attitude, you expedite what God wants to do. Amen. Praise the Lord. How many believe in God for certain things and you've heard a lot of words about it? Like, God's going to do this, God's going to do that, God's going to do that. Come on, let me put it way, way high. Let me see. Okay. All right. Praise God. Well, let me tell you right now, don't despise the word. God pays careful attention to what, remember, listen, he spoke to Abraham and Sarah. It took 25 years for that. Now, I'm not saying it's going to take 25 years for you. But in between that 25-year period, there was a lot of doubt. There was a lot of laughing at the word. Sarah and Abraham both laughed. I wonder, did it have to take 25 years? Did it have to? I mean, we, we say, man, at the age of 100, Abraham, but did it have to take that long? There was a lot of laughing, a lot of doubting, a lot of Ishmael's, a lot of whole bunch of stuff, concoctions to make this plan work. And it was 25 years. It doesn't have to be long so long as your heart is right. So sometimes the delay is not because God is taking his time. No, it's because our response to the word is not right. And you know it because in the same chapter of Luke chapter 1, what happened? That same angel, same angel came to John the Baptist's father and said, hey, this is before John the Baptist was born. Yes, your wife, Elizabeth, she's going to get pregnant. He was like, come on, dude, are you serious? That's what he said. But you know what is, what's interesting? The angel said, your prayers have been answered. Think about that. And then his response was, really? She's old. I'm old. <laughs> you know, that, sh that ship has sailed, man. But your prayers have been answered. Isn't it, is it, you can look at this two ways. What amazes me is that this probably was something that he was praying when he was much younger. God didn't forget that. He didn't forget that. And two, it's possible to pray an angel appear, say your prayers have been answered, and you still doubt. 
I know some of you have said, Lord, why don't you just appear as an angel? I'll believe. Jesus, just show up. I'll believe. Just show me a sign. I'll believe. You'd be surprised what you won't believe. Because there's plenty of people in the Bible who saw angels, who saw Jesus, who saw all of these things and still didn't believe. Which tells me this. Belief is not, be careful about this, belief is not something that's rooted in experience. It's rooted in your heart. The word faith or belief is the willingness, it means the willingness to be persuaded. The willingness to be persuaded. That's what faith is. That's what belief is. Because I used to say, oh, Jesus, if I saw the Red Sea, if I saw this, if I saw that, oh, if I saw, how, how can these, what's up with these disciples? They doubt Jesus all day. Well, my God, what, what's wrong with them? No, these guys are just like us, living in the moment, excited for what God did, and then the next day forget about it because a present need shows up. It's easy to fall into unbelief if you don't guard your heart. And so that angel said, you know what? You're not talking right. I have to mute you. Like You can't talk until this baby is born because you're going to mess it up with your words. This is so critical. Like There's some things I got to do. Like, this, I can't. Your faith is not relevant now. Like, and there's some things your faith won't be relevant for. It's called the sovereign will of God. I want you to be clear about that. There's different wills of God. There's the sovereign will of God. That is the will of God that you have nothing to do with. It's going to happen. That's where you can't limit God. It's his sovereign will. Right? There is something called the permissive will of God. Right? When God said, I don't want, I don't want you guys having a king. I want to be your king. This is what God wants. I want to be your king. And they said, oh, no, 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 we want to be like the other nations. We want to have a king. He was like, listen, if you have a king, it's going to be really bad. They're going to do this. They're going to do that. They're going to, they're going to be abusive. He says, yeah, yeah, that's what we want. Give, 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 give that to us. That's what we want. Okay. Okay. And God said to Samuel, the prophet, this is what they want. Let them have it. That's fine. That was his permissive will. Then there's something called the perfect will of God. Sort of a convergence of those two I just shared. The perfect will of God is what God really wants. This is exactly what I want, but you still have to receive. Like, God really wants you to be saved. The Bible says He is not willing that any should perish. He wants you to be saved. He wants you to receive Him as Lord. He wants you to be born again. That's His perfect desire. That's what He wants. But you have a part to play in that. You have to say, I receive you as Lord. That's the perfect will of God. So I share that to say, we limit God, though, in the last two that I, declared, I shared, the perfect and the permissive. And then there's the other will of God. That is when you're out of the will of God, <laughs> just completely out. That's not going to be true for anyone here today in Jesus' name. Last scripture, 2 Corinthians 9, 8. Is this blessing you? Take the limits off. Somebody say, take the limits off. And God is able. Somebody say, he's able. To make all grace abound towards you. That you, 
always having all sufficiency in all things, may have an abundance for every good work. Somebody say good work. I believe wholeheartedly, and the worship team did a dynamic, let's give our worship team a hand today. I mean, the reason why I'm saying that is because I don't often, more, more often than not, I don't even share with them everything I'm going to be ministering. Maybe I should do that more, but I don't always do that. And they were just exhorting this. They were exhorting this. I just knew they were in the spirit. And one of the things I want you to know is that you have good works to follow. And here's God's promise for you, that he is able to make all grace abound towards you. So maybe you have big dreams right here. Maybe, you, maybe you're like, Lord, how is this going to happen? When is this going to happen? Through who? Through, through what resource? God is able to make all grace abound towards you. And this is the picture of what that looks like when all grace is abounding towards you. This is a very extreme scripture. I'm glad it is. This is the picture. Look at all the words that speak to completeness. Like there's nothing, you can't, you can't go less than this, right? God is able to make all, somebody say all, grace abound towards you, that you always, somebody say always. So that's all and always. Having all, somebody say all, sufficiency in how many things? That you may have an abundance for what? Every good work. Notice how many words speak of all, every, an abundance, all sufficiency. This, this is what I want you to clamp down on when God is stirring your heart to believe for something more. Lord, I'm taking the limits off of you. You're able to make all grace abound towards me. Thank you, Lord, for the abounding grace. Amen. Now, if you're in this place and you've been feeling limited in what you can do because you don't have the resources, you don't have the relationships, you don't have the connections, you don't have the knowledge, you're constantly thinking about what you don't have. I don't have the connects. I don't have the networking. I don't have the right pedigree. I don't have the right education. I don't have, I don't have, I don't have. I'm talking to you right now. I just, I'm, I'm hearing the, by the Spirit of the Lord saying, Take your attention off of you and let it rest squarely on his abounding grace. His abounding grace. He's able to make all grace abound towards you. This is the season where whether it's ministry, whether it's financial provision, whether it's relationships that you need formed, business relationships, personal relationships, I don't care what kind of relationships it is, whether it's family restoration, this is the season where all grace will abound towards you so that you have all sufficiency in all things for every good work. Glory to God. So, Lord, if it's a good work you have for me, if it's something that you planned for me, if it's something that you want me to walk in, if it's something that is for me, this is my confession. All grace, I'm going to say all grace, is abounding towards me. And I have all sufficiency or an abundance 
for every good work. Thank you, Lord. Do you receive that? That's my confession. Lord, all grace is abounding towards me. So this day forward, no more lack in your life for anything. Amen. No more lack for anything. Let me just say this. I said it before, but it bears repeating. That includes New York City. That includes Brooklyn, New York. That includes Bronx, New York. Anybody from Staten Island? I don't think so, but Staten Island. Okay, we got Staten Island in the house. Let's give Staten Island in the house. Come on, that's awesome. I think you're the first person from Staten Island here. <laughs> Queens. Long Island. <laughs> Jersey. I know we got some Jersey folks in here. I don't care where you're from. The Bible says that God will bless you where? In the city and where? Yeah. So don't ever say this city is too expensive. It's not. God will make all grace abound towards you. I don't care if it's gentrification. You know, I was driving the other day, and I said, you know what? Let's just stop talking about gentrification. Let's just, let's just accept the fact that all of New York is gentrified. Because it's either gentrified or it's about to be. So let's just not even get excited about, oh, this neighborhood, it's all gentrified. It's okay. God is able to make all grace abound towards you so that you, if this is God's plan for your life, to be in this city, you can live well in this city. You can be blessed in this city. It can be so for you. That's my confession. How about yours? Now, I'm done. But some of you, your good works are going to come into play when it comes to going back to school. It's going to come into play when it, come, when it goes to venturing off into business. I'm going to be very clear about it. Business. Jacob came to a point where he said, when will I provide for my own? He was working for Laban, and he says, when will I provide for my own? I'm tired of working for you. When will I provide for my own? And Jacob concocted a plan, and he was able to do that. And today we celebrate him in the Bible. Everyone is not called to be a business owner, I know. Everyone's not called to be an entrepreneur, I know. And it's okay. There's nothing wrong with working for someone. God's plan is for many people to work for people, and you can be blessed in doing so. In fact, I was talking to a friend of mine the other day. She's a lawyer, and she was just um, going on and on about how God has blessed her. She has four, four sons, and um, she was just sharing how she works from home. And she works, she, her lifestyle, she said, is better than her bosses. Her bosses. Her bosses come to her and says, I don't, I don't get it either. I really don't. But they were like, how is it that you're able to live better than us? She was able to negotiate a deal where she can work from home and she can, she says, me and my husband, we take nine vacations a year. Glory to God. Nine vacations a year. Ain't that, ain't that amazing? How many would like nine vacations a year? How many want to start with one a vacation a year? A weekend. Something. Applebee's, just something. <laughs> 
Yeah, nine vacations a year. And she said, you know what? This is what she said. She said, at first I felt, is this right? Like, I, I don't, you know, I don't know. Lord, is this, is this okay for me to do? So it's amazing how that question came. Well, I, that question would not have come to me. I'm like, heck yeah, it's right. <laughs> no, but I understand that. She was like, is this right? And she was like, the Lord was like, yeah. I've released you. I, I blessed you to do that. You and your husband and your four children can have nine vacations a year. Praise the Lord. That's amazing. Take the limits off. Okay, I'm done. God is good. Bow your head. Father, thank you for this word. Thank you, Lord, for how you've just stirred us up to believe you for more. Lord, where we have limited you, where we have doubted you, where we've said this is too much, too, too, just too, too much for us, Lord. We just right now decide to take the limits off, and we trust you for what you want to do in our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. If you're in this place and you have not received Jesus as your Savior, I want to give you an invitation to do that right now. Would you bow your head and pray this prayer? This is a prayer where you're inviting Christ into your life. Say this with me. Say, Father, Today, I acknowledge that I am born a sinner, and I need to be saved from my sin. Jesus, you died for me. Come into my life. Make me a new person. I give you my life. I repent of my sins. In Jesus' name, amen. If God is changing your life through this ministry, join us in reaching others by partnering with us today. You can give through our website at www.nylifechurch.com and click on the gift tab. Thank you for listening and remember to subscribe to enjoy more messages like this. Go and live a purpose-driven life.